lockdown, I'm bored. I'm so bored, I agreed to do this podcast. Welcome along. We're on the home straight now to the Spurs season 1986-87, the pause point for our chronological season review project, which has been two and a half month effort made here on Hawaii One to fill football's coronavirus-shaped void. We will listen as ever to me, Ian Wallace, Peter Wright and Simeon Wright, and the three of us are joined this Tuesday 2nd of June by a 15th major contributor to the series. Today's guest is season ticket holder, and the man who should have replaced Ray Clements between the Spurs sticks around the time we're recalling, Eric Walton. Eric, wonderful to have you here. Good How to meet you. How have you found these uh, strange last few months? Lockdown, I'm bored. I'm bored, Ian. It's so boring. Just not being able to socialise, not being able to go to the pub, not being able to go to a game, of course, or even just go to a coffee shop. I'm so bored, I agreed to do this podcast. Yeah. Carol <laughs> Borderman. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also very lucky because I'm in lockdown with my um, with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, so not just with my wife. All right, yeah, you've got, oh, you've got, you've got visitors there. Yeah. Well, they were visitors from Kathmandu, Pete. All right. Yeah. They were on their, they were on their round the world trip, right. and uh, they were six months in when everything sort of went pear-shaped right. and all the flights started to be shut down oh. and they couldn't stay in Kathmandu so we got them a flight back here and as they've got tenants in their house for the next six months right. they're in lockdown with the Waltons poor them Eric you you were a goalkeeper yourself in your playing days and you've made conscious efforts over the years to actually sit close to the goal be it at White Hart Lane Wembley and now Tottenham Hotspur Stadium which is of course White Hart Lane in our eyes in order yep. to focus your expert eye on the keepers. So who would you say is the best we've ever had in that position first? And what do you make of our hot and cold current number one, Hugo Lloris? Well, thinking about that, over the years, I'm sticking with sort of my years. I wouldn't be able to go back to the 1950s. I'm not quite that old. But um, number three... The third best goalkeeper I've seen at White Hart Lane was Heralio Gomez. As you mentioned earlier, I used to play in goal and the top feeling you got as a goalkeeper was you just pulled off a save and their forwards and even your own defenders thought the ball was going in and you've just tipped it round the post. And that's the top feeling for a goalie that I used to get. And Gomez used to make us feel like that as fans, you'd think, oh, my goodness, it's going in. And then Gomez saved it. And he did he that. Was a tall man, wasn't he? Yeah, oh, long arms, long arms. Well, he, also did, he also did the, the exact opposite a lot as well, didn't yeah. he? Well, I mean, in his, in his good times, he was pretty. He had, he had one really good season, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yes, he did. Being Brazilian, he had a lot to adapt to. And I understand he worked very hard on adapting his game to cope with all the crosses, all the Route 1 football. And I think Tony Parks was his goalkeeping coach. It just depends what season you're talking about with Gomez, isn't it? Because he just became a bit of a calamity, didn't he? He, uh, unfortunately, he let a few slip in and they were crucial. And his confidence went. 
But he got it back when he went to Watford. He suddenly became real. Was it Watford? It was, yeah. Yes. It was Watford. He got it back. He got it back and he did brilliant things for them. My second best of all time, I would say, would be Ray Clements. He is the sort of goalkeeper that defenders love to have because they know they can play their game and they can rely that Ray's behind them. Yeah. And his experience that he brought to Spurs just, just meant that we were, we were solid. We were solid at the back. And when I was a young goalkeeper, I used to copy his pre-match warm-up. Weird side foot dance along the touchline when he warmed up, left foot over right, right foot over left, as he went sideways. Was he a vociferous goalkeeper, Eric? I think he did make calls. He was the sort of keeper that would call for the ball, defenders knew he was coming, and he would get it. So I think that instilled confidence in the centre-backs. He brought that experience from Liverpool, and uh, you, could, you could see why he won such a lot at Liverpool, because he just made the defence solid. Yeah, I noticed he turned up in Euro 96. They've done some reruns of Euro 96. He was the goal, goalkeeping coach for Venables, it seems. He was, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. No surprises. Yeah. 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 So, number one, of course, has got to be the big man himself, Pat Jennings. Oh, of course, yeah. Who else? Because when I was a kid, younger than a teenager, I used to sit indoors with a football and try and stretch my fingers to make them <laughs> as Pat Jennings. You can close your eyes and just imagine the crosses coming in and Big Pat would just leap up and just pluck the ball out of the air. Yeah. And in those days, centre-forwards were more intimidating. Yeah. They could intimidate a goalkeeper, but you couldn't do that to Pat. Yeah. And he was also very brave. He'd come out, he'd dive at forwards' feet, and he was very agile, brave, confident, and those big hands. Yeah. I just think forwards probably thought, how are we going to score past this fella? Yeah. He's massive hands. I remember. That. I remember watching a game when we pluck. I remember who it was against, but I remember being really close to the goal and uh, my dad sort of saying how big his hands were. And I was obsessed with the size of his hands. I was only about eight, possibly at the time. Exactly, yeah. huge hands. Yeah, for a little schoolboy, it was just like watching a giant. Yeah, it was like watching Kenny Everett with those. Remember those brotherly love hands? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He won a lot, didn't he? Pat Jennings, MBE, OBE. More than a thousand top flight games, FA Cup, League Cup, UEFA Cup. Yeah, he we, must have been good. Yeah. yeah, we got him from Watford, didn't we? But you know what his big thing was before a game? You know, he always what, he right? came across as very calm, which is really good for the bat four when you're calm. But he used to have a little tot of brandy before he <laughs> went out onto the pitch. That's just not a word <laughs> of a lie. Right? Yeah, yeah. I know that. Yep, that yep. is brilliant. A little tot of brandy. That's that amazing. Just, yeah. and, um, and am I right in saying, Eric, that the top end of your university team banging in the goals was a certain Peter Wright? Well. <laughs> well, yeah, banging in. Pete was at the top end. He yeah. was at the top end. I think he was the post a few times. He was usually offside. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just picturing that Liverpool goal that they scored this year where Alisson put the ball forward and Salah went forward to score. I could just see that Eric Walton to Peter Wright and yeah. in the back of the net in seconds. But I couldn't kick the ball as far as Alisson. I've actually seen a picture of, uh, of that team recently, I think, Eric, and all I can see is some handsome man with a big afro. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was Pete, yeah. Pete was always the last man out of the changing room. Well, you never knew when the match of the day cameras were going to be there, so you had to be presentable. Yeah, you're a great point, Peter. <laughs> very, um, yeah, had a very attractive lineup. 
Thanks, Eric, for a cracking introduction there and some of your goalkeeping uh, knowledge. We don't really talk about the goalkeepers much on YE1, so it's been brilliant to have you there. It sort of sets the tone nicely for a season quite heavy on goalkeeping context, so we'll get your view a little bit later on as we come to that. But that's certainly the case regarding transfers, though one particular signing in the summer of 1988 did steal the headlines, didn't it, Sim? It did, yeah. Paul Gascoigne, two million from Newcastle. Um, I, w- I was actually watching the, das- the Gascoigne documentary yesterday, and I just, I just loved it because it just focused on the footballer I found and not the troubled individual, and just what an outstanding player he was. I was quite amazed to find out that he never actually played over a hundred times for anyone, and you just look at the impact that he made in every team he played with, and for England, he only got sixty caps. We well, got under sixty caps. I think he got fifty-seven caps for England. And, of course, Newcastle finished eighth in his last season there, but they went on to finish bottom of the league and get relegated this year. But just what a player. And that documentary just absolutely just underlined that to me. Yeah, he was a wonderful player, wasn't he, Peter? What, what do you yeah. think his main strength was, Peter? Well, he just seemed to be able to just drop a shoulder and just go past people like as if they weren't there. So he'd be like carrying the ball from sort of between the lines and it's just an eye for goal and just fearless. You never knew what was going to happen. It's just that unpredictability. But just, for me, definitely the most gifted player of his generation, I think. Very, very mm-hmm. narrowly, yeah, I... narrowly beaten as a Spurs legend in, by Glenn Hoddle, I think. Just because of the longevity of Hoddle. Of, I think if Gascoigne <coughs> had played for longer, I think he'd be up. You know, on a level pegging with Hoddle because definitely he just had that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, totally agree. Sim, what other players did we bring in um, during that season? Because just to remind listeners, there wasn't a transfer window, so there was transfers all season. So, Sim, if you can tell me who came in and roughly when they came in would be great. Yeah, so clearly from the season we're going to go over tomorrow in 87 88, we needed some firepower. Uh, we'll display to you just how dire the goal stats were in that season tomorrow but Paul Stewart came in another striker he came in for 1.7 million from Man City he got 28 in 52 for them the season before albeit in Division 2 but as we saw in ones that we've gone over previously he had a lot of he had a big part to play in the FA Cup and such also the current Icelandic FA chairman Gudni Bergson came in in December and Nayin came in on loan and then the goalkeeper, Eric, the Viking, Forsvet, if that's how you pronounce it, came Forth, in in, Torsvet. Torsvet, came in in December. We'll go on to his, the start he made in a bit, which was not great. But, you know, he, he was a keeper who had a lot of longevity. And what, what did you think of Torsvet, Eric, as a keeper yourself? He was a little bit wobbly to begin with, but I wouldn't put that entirely down to, to his own fault. I think that the Spurs' defence were not brilliant for that season when he came in. He had to establish himself. He must have been very nervous. That showed, didn't it, in his first game where he let one slip through his fingers. But he obviously built up to a point where he was so solid that he became a fan favourite. Yeah, of course, a cup-winning goalkeeper as well. I mean, we spent quite big that season. First of all, we bought Paul Stewart, which was a club record then for 1.7. And then we broke the British transfer record with Gaza for 2 million. And we spent big that season. Do you, Peter, do you think that was the last season 
that we really spent big and matched everyone. He might have been. He might well have been. With the loss of Clive Allen, I think we did. This, you took forty nine goals out of the team, so we needed to kind of like bring somebody marquee in. I can't remember the fanfare that greeted the arrival of Gaza, but at the time, but it must have been. I mean, for two million, it was just a lot of money. It goes in in those days. It, I just can't remember there being like a big furore or whatever at the time. But yeah, I think yeah. there was actually, there was yeah, Peter, yeah. he was like broke the transfer, everyone really wanted him, Man United really wanted him, yeah. um, do you remember that Eric, Man United were hugely big on him and, and I think Venables was the one who sort of got him to come to Spurs, do you remember that Eric? I do, I do recall that it was down to Terry Venables because one of the great things about Venables when you're a fan is that he played or he wanted his team to play positive football, so we were excited about Venables coming as the manager and I think that excitement drew Gascoigne down to us. Yeah. Totally agree. But also, that, that season was interesting, Sim, wasn't it? Because a lot of clubs spent big. You know, Cotty then was the next transfer record about a couple of weeks later. But I think it was fueled by ITV and snapped up the TV rights. Am I right, Sim, for about £11 million? That's right, yeah. I mean, I don't know the figures, but um, yeah, it sounds about right for the time. Yeah, ITV's The Big Match began screening live Football League fixtures and they continued to do so until the Premier League started in 92. And I think we went over it with Fletch, didn't we, in the first Premier League season that we went over in 92, 93, where there was the war between Sky and Greg Dyke and was it London Weekend TV who were like a, a associate of ITV or something who were kind of right. going for the broadcasting rights. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just really interesting to wonder how that could have gone if, the Premier League had gone terrestrial, but yeah, you're right, Ian. For this time, ITV started showing first division games terrestrially. Yeah, and and who who are the players who left? Um, and roughly when when they left, would be great. Yeah, so Clive Allen went to Bordeaux in May, so right at the end of the last season, he'd obviously had that 49 goal season a couple of years before, but it was a difficult year, I think, for him and pretty much everyone the year after. Ozzy Ardiles was released as well and moved on to Blackburn in the same month as that after 10 glorious years at the club. Also, um, striker Nico Klassen, is it? Nico Klassen? Klassen. Klassen, yeah, he went to Antwerp. Yeah. Steve Hodge went back to Nottingham Forest. Have you, do you guys remember yeah. anything about Klassen? Yeah. yeah, they were the centrepiece of the David Pleat five-man midfield. I mean, they had, he had um, Hoddle, Waddle, Klassen and Clive Allen and it's just so easy for Clive Allen to score the goals because he's just like always laid on the plate for him. Hodge played like a kind of workman-like role in that midfield, but that was a that that was a, I do remember that team mm. quite quite vividly. It was a David Pleat good team. player wasn't he? Class and he was a lovely. Yeah. He, was, he was lightningly quick. I remember. Yeah. And also, good. Sim did Tony Parks go this season? I think he did, didn't he? Tony Parks went. Yeah, he's obviously the 1984 UEFA Cup hero. He left for Brentford. For someone who had such an iconic moment with the club, I was just looking back at his kind of season stats, and he never was really the number one yet. It's like kind of like the equivalent maybe to possibly Gasaniga now. I mean, did you have an opinion on Parks, Eric? Not so much. No, I must admit he he was um, he doesn't. I'm not quite sure why. It might be because my children were being born at that time, or I was having too much fun playing in goal myself but I don't have any real memories of Parks being brilliant mm. yeah. yeah I agree I, I'm, I'm with you Eric I don't think he was brilliant I think he was a good backup goalkeeper as you say seemed like Gazanique 
just just got president is just responsible for that iconic moment of the penalty save really yeah so and it's been a great servant to the club Eric, how did you sort of feel at that time? Obviously, we're breaking transfer windows. We spent a lot of money. It was Venables' first full season. And how did you sort of feel at the start of the season? Well, I think it was very exciting because we got to attacking footballers coming in with Gascoigne and Stewart. But as always, it was the defence that needed shoring up, really. But it was the Spurs' way. Let's, you know, let's attack and um, play attractive football and try and win games. But sadly... The first half of that season, not many wins. No, there wasn't. You're right. And um, Peter, in pre-season, we actually lost 4-0 to Arsenal at Wembley in that, that Mekita tournament. Do you remember that? I remember being very gutted about that. I don't actually remember that, but I don't tend to trust pre-season. <laughs> Whatever happens in the pre-season is not well, always... Well, to be, to be honest, Peter, you've said that before, and that, that's why I brought this up to you, because yeah. obviously they won there, and there's quite a lot of younger players. They went on to win the league that year with the famous Michael Thomas goal but oh, cool, what was yeah. interesting that was their third season or uh, I think two and a half seasons under Gray, George Graham and he finally got what he wanted and it was quite interesting that they won the league that year but yeah the pre-season thing that's sort of why I brought it up because yeah. I agree with you normally you can't really trust it how did we start then because I, I remember Paul Stewart couldn't play for the first four games could he I think he was suspended so how, how did we start him yeah, that Eric kind of touched on it, didn't he? It was a pretty horrendous start to the season. We were actually in the bottom three by November. And it would just be interesting to, I mean, we'll get to it in a sec, but to just kind of see how Spurs fans felt about Venables at this time because we only won one of our first 10 games. Our first game of the season was actually cancelled. It was supposed to be against Coventry at the lane, but the South Stand, the Park Lane end, was being redeveloped and was deemed unfit on the morning of the match, so that game didn't go ahead. So our first game was away at Newcastle, and that was obviously Gaza going back to Newcastle on his debut for us. It ended 2-2, and then he scored on his home debut against Arsenal. We lost the game 3-2, and you know we, we lost four on the bounce soon after. Norwich, Southampton, Aston Villa and Derby. You said that Paul Stewart missed the first four games, but I think he went a while without scoring when he possibly was able to make his debut. And I'm just wondering, was there uncertainty about Venables at the time because the previous season had offered very little grounds for optimism. Personally for me I sort of felt you know they just needed time to bed in. I, I saw I remember I went to the away game at Liverpool when we drew 1-1 I sort of saw enough there to sort of without that was without Stuart I sort of saw enough there for a little bit of hope um, you know we still had some great you know, so Gazzo, we still had Waddle, we had Paul Walsh playing up front um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I thought there was the crowd. I don't, I don't remember the crowd getting on his back. Peter, do you remember? No, no. I mean, uh, the, the optimism that comes with he's a very charismatic character, great football man, and I think that would have bought him a lot of time. Yeah, I, I don't remember any sort of any animosity towards him. I think no, all, right. all the teams that you know, just famous for playing good football. So you know, I was upbeat about it. Really. Yeah, I, I. I I think you're right, and I think Paul Stewart was very unlucky because he had this four-game suspension, Eric, hanging over him. So he missed the first four games, and then when he did come back as a sub against Man United, he came on and then took a penalty and missed it. And I think he was always on the back foot. He didn't start positively, Eric. And I think possibly, you know, we, we as you say, we didn't start well, did we? And I think Paul Stewart not being involved at the start possibly was a factor. No, I I seem to remember that the price tag 
weighed on him a little. There was such huge expectation, being, I think, the first £1 million transfer, £1 million plus transfer, and I think that did weigh on him. And then, as you said, Ian, he stepped up to take the penalty. Terry Fennick was our typical penalty taker, and so Fennick should have taken it, but it was a case of you get in there, Paul, and hopefully score and get your confidence going. And then he did, so that didn't help. Yeah, that, that was a real shame, actually. Just going back to the Liverpool game, Fennick was a bit of a divisive character amongst the Spurs fans, but I feel he really started that season well from memory. And I remember going to the Liverpool game, he actually scored in that game, which was, which was rare for him. But I remember we were sitting in the seats and uh, Danny Thomas was sitting in front of us. Danny Thomas... The next player we went to watch the game, which was uh, yeah. quite quite surreal because I was a big fan of him. Do you remember Danny Thomas? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. he just retired, hadn't he, in this yeah. season? Yeah, he had. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not sure why he was sitting with us. And um, what, yeah. um, Eric? Why, why do you think Fennick was so derided amongst the fans? Yeah. You must have had expensive seats. Us Essex boys, uh, yeah, we always had money. Probably defensive qualities. There must have been occasions when we conceded goals and people just thought, "Oh, blimey." He's not solid. He's not as solid at the back as you would have wanted. But there again, it wasn't just his fault. Gascoigne used to get caught in midfield. He used to get the ball taken off him or he'd play a dodgy pass in his own half and the opposition would break through and score or nearly score. Yeah, we gave the ball away too easily in our own half, I think. That's a brilliant point. We were loose. I remember that really a lot. He and he would sort of get away with it. The crowd would never get on his back. Peter, do you remember that? I mean, he could do no wrong in our eyes. No, no, he was a fan's hero. But just a, just a word about Fennec. Wasn't he one of those culprits left in the wake of Maradona in the '86 for that wonder goal that Maradona scored in the? He was. Yeah. But yeah, no, Gaza Gaza could do no wrong really. You know, in in the eyes of the fans, yeah. You know. I agree, and I think he got away with a lot of things. Sim, can you sort of take us after that? Obviously, you said we lost four games on the trot to, to not top teams. And then we had Wimbledon at home, which was an absolutely brutal game from memory. Yeah, so we won the game 3-2. Um, Guy Butters, um, Terry Fennick and Vinny Samway scored in that game. And it sent us on a run of one defeat in nine. It just seems a really streaky season. This happened on the 12th of November. What, yeah. what in particular can you remember from it, Ian? The Wimbledon game, I remember, it was shocking. I don't know if anyone else went to the game. They were like thugs, and it was a Sunday league game. And I remember the Vinny Jones tackle on uh, Gary Stevens was just disgraceful. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. any listeners have never seen it, they should look at it. Uh, Peter, did you remember yeah, that one? Yeah, already? I, I don't think Gary Stevens actually ever recovered from that. They did some intimidation tactics, didn't they, at the time? But the Sheffield Wednesday game afterwards, I don't know if you guys remember, I mean, this was... This was our first live league game of the season and we were in November, the 20th of November. And um, guys, I don't know if you remember, there was snow on the pitch and basically there was there was snow all around the pitch apart from in the penalty areas and in the centre circle and we played with an orange ball. That just doesn't happen now, does it, Peter? I've seen it happen before. Actually, I've seen it happen at Blackpool and uh, couldn't mm. distinguish the shirts from the ball. So that was. Mm. But, it but it doesn't happen now, though, does it? Like they, they clear the pitches. I mean, if it, the Sheffield, it was literally covered in snow. The pitch was, apart from you know the centre circle and the penalty areas. And yeah. I just felt that game was a real catalyst for our season. I think we sort of turned a little bit of a corner there. Paul Stewart got two goals, and mm. I just think it was a really, really big, a big win for us away there, Sim. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, that's. 
that sounds like character to me to to win in those kind of conditions and obviously uh, big money signing who as Eric said he's the, had the price tag weighing on him so yeah I mean that's that's a big big result that is to to mm. win under those conditions and 2-0 as well we finished six behind Arsenal, Liverpool, Nottingham Forest, Norwich, <laughs> and Derby. The Derby home game. Sorry, um, just to go back to before, before the Wimbledon game, Eric. Can I come to you on this? Bobby Mims had absolute letting two howlers at his near post, and the crowd was sort of baying for him because I think he made a couple of mistakes as well beforehand. What was your take on Bobby Mims or Booby Mims as he was called? <laughs> yeah, it was just the fans can be so cruel to goalkeepers. Yeah, and he just never, he never looked as though he was totally comfortable. So, yeah, we weren't confident in Bobby Mims and that showed really. I'm sure he was, you know, he must have been a good keeper, but there's a fine line between being good and then just controlling everything and giving all your defence the confidence. I think it was, it was yeah. interesting, wasn't it, that Eric Torsvert signed in early December, didn't he? And it coincided with Mims keeping four clean sheets in a row. And I think Torsvet had to wait a while to make his debut. And yeah. as we spoke about earlier, his debut was the Nottingham Forest game, which was just a complete disaster for him. But after that derby, after that derby game, Sim, um, we were bottom of the table after 10 games, I think. Obviously, we had that points deduction as well, so we were bottom of the table. I just, I just felt that, Peter, that start would just round our neck and the press were all over us sort of talking Gaza was a flop and Paul Stewart was a flop do you sort of remember the furore with the press they loved it yeah I mean press always want to have a sort of print a, a, a bad story don't they or bad news if you like but I think he was just trying to get the blend right you know and it took him that long just to bed Paul Stewart in and get the team playing to you know in, in the image of what he was trying to create why did we have a points yeah. deduction because of the stand not being ready. Yeah, oh, really? We, we deducted two points um, and then we appealed against it and then in the end we won the appeal and we got a £15,000 fine, I think. Yeah, the, mm. the commentary game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I think Sim as well, Not what is it? I'm pretty sure it's to do with the East stand rather than the South stand, but you might need to... Oh, you're the stats man, but you, I have a feeling it might be the East stand, yeah, I yeah. think. I, I might be wrong about that. So we were bottom of the table, we lost Everton away, but then we played Millwall at home, which was, I think, the first time they'd been up in this division, am I right? Yeah, it's one of my ex-schoolmates were playing for him at the time. Oh, who's that guy yeah. called uh, Les Briley? He was in our school team. Yeah, he, he oh, couldn't yeah. he couldn't make it at Ch- he couldn't make it at Chelsea because they had Butch Wilkins there, the centre midfielder. Uh-huh. So so he went on to Millwall and captained Millwall. He done very well there, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, Ray Lewington I, I was in the same same Millwall. class as well. They had Teddy, didn't they? Yeah, they did have Teddy in that team. Yeah. But I remember going to that game and being um, it was Millwall's first sort of a you know, big away game at Spurs in the in the Division One. I remember mm. their fans. <clears throat> Jesus, it was it was a scary day out. I have to remember. Mm. Dark days. Yeah. Um, anyway, Sim. So we get to Christmas and um, then we have the big the big derby away at Arsenal, uh, which I remember I went to. That was very disappointing, wasn't it, Sim? Yeah, really disappointing. 2-0 loss. They obviously, like you said, went on to win the league. And that came at the end of a run of one defeat in nine. And it suddenly sent us on another dodgy kind of streak in the middle of the season. We didn't win a, we didn't win in five games. We lost three out of those five games. 
they were much better than us. They, they had a young team. They had a young Merson in there, I think, from memory. They were just vibrant. They had Michael Thomas, Paul yeah. Davis. They, they, were just, they were just vibrant. I mean, they've, they've been together a little bit of, of a long time. I just felt that they were possibly a couple of years down the line where they had sort of a bit of stability in the management. Um, and I think we sort of got the the reaping of that because Venables was there for quite a long time then suddenly we won our trophy so we possibly learn off Arsenal I hate to say that but Sim I just want to point out and Eric and Peter that in the last 15 games we only, we only lost twice I mean that that was like league winning form looking back so it was a great finish to the season wasn't it the last 15 games yeah I think because it's like like I said he, he hadn't got it right he hasn't got the blend right and it's, it took maybe most of the season to get it Get it right. Can you remember yeah. what? Can you remember what he what he did to get the blend right in the end? It's just finding players in the right position and seeing where they, uh, where, where he could best utilise them. I don't know. I think. Yeah, I I think that's a great question. That is, Sim um, Peter. Can I just put it to you or, or Eric? I just think Paul Stewart started to find his feet a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, it's loads of goals that season, but I just think sometimes Stewart. When he played up front, was a real presence, and sometimes he was unplayable. Do you, Eric? Do you remember him being unplayable as a striker? Strong. He was very powerful in the air, and oh, he scored some really good headed goals. Um, where he, you know, he was he was rising above big defenders. He was also quick. Um, so he was, yeah, yeah. And and sometimes it comes down to the service, and I think it just took a little while for. The midfield to sort of gel with the forwards and make sure they got the right service at the right time. When you mentioned earlier about did the fans or did the press sort of get on Spurs back a lot, I think the fans had confidence in Venables, but the press, because we had Venables as our manager, that was like having Mourinho. He, he was a big name, a big personality, and so he was always someone that was going to be in the sports pages of the news so I think that was that's a great point yeah. mm. that's, a good yeah, point. that's a really good point I, I, I just think one of the catalysts in answer your question was I think Waddle in that last half of the season was just unplayable sometimes you know I think he might have been given a freer role Peter yeah and he, you know, he yeah. scored a lot of goals I just I just remember we swarmed all over teams and I think you just get the Peter your point about getting the blend right yeah. I, I remember him. Him played like Stewart up front a lot on his own. Gazer might have had a bit there. Gazer and Waddle might have had a freer role. I think yeah. that possibly might have been the catalyst. In but correct me if I'm wrong, Peter. Yeah. No. I mean, that, cause it, like like as Eric said, it's all down to service in terms of the strikers and and uh, what Waddle, as he said, he if I if I'm right, so he he could go right or left, and he had that unpredictability about him. He was definitely part of that blend that we're talking about that he got once he got going and Gaza got going then that, that's when you saw the strikers uh, uh, Stuart actually delivering the goals I think Samways was a real key player Eric do you think that during that like, run in towards the end of the season I've got Vinny Samways down as being one of the most underrated Spurs players interesting he was great he had some brilliant moments he had a lot of energy him and Mabbott, I thought they covered a lot of ground, a lot of work, and Vinny Samways would often sort of pop up and slot a goal in. Um, mm. So I think he was underrated, was, was uh, Vinny Samways. A bit in the shadow of Gaza, Vinny Samways. He definitely wasn't underrated in my eyes. In, uh, in my book, I thought he was a terrific player. 
you know, the interplay yeah. with him and Gaza, which was like the linchpin of the 91 Cup final win. Yeah, and also I think Walsh started to play quite a lot up front as a two with Stewart, and I just think they were quite a good pairing. I mean, Walsh's, Paul Walsh's hold-up play, I think, for someone so small, was just second to none. He was really, really a decent, uh, decent strike for us over the years. Where do we think, I mean, Waddle sort of left at the end of this season. Where do we think Waddle ranks, you know, over the last, say, 30 years in the Spurs legends? Peter, can I go to you on this? Where does he rank for you? It's, it's pretty high up there, I think. You know, I just think uh, maybe, I don't know if we, did we see his best years at Spurs? I think maybe we did when he had uh, Hoddle there. Maybe just a little bit earlier with Deplete too. But I think maybe just outside the top ten, perhaps. Interesting. We, we've had, we've had interesting. some Eric, how do you sort of feel about Waddle? Is he up there? Yes, definitely. Definitely up there. I would put him just slightly behind David Ginola. Yeah. Interesting. We have had oh, some gifted wow. players, I suppose. You know, very gifted players. Yeah, see, I, I, I would have them above Ginola. For me, he'd be over the last 30 years. I think he really has been in our top six or seven players, I think. I just think he was uh, really, really good. I do like a little song they were singing about uh, Rafa van der Vaart. Do you remember the song? He's not as good as Waddle. No, he's not as good as Hoddle. Better than Chris Waddle. His missus is a model. He's Rafa van der Vaart. <laughs> I, I don't remember that song, actually. I don't remember that. From the 11th of Feb, we really did have a great run, losing only to Liverpool at home. And the last day of the season against Rangers, didn't we? It was a fantastic run. Yeah, good run, good run. And it possibly was the reason why, clearly was the reason why we finished so high up in the league. The highlights of the running, if I can just think about what I would have quite liked at the time and what I'd probably quite like now we did the double over West Ham and we helped them get relegated and we also beat Millwall 5-0 at the Old Den which was probably a fun day out albeit maybe a little bit scary always nice to put one yeah, over on West Ham <laughs> always nice yeah always nice um, yes and I remember going to Wimbledon away guys which was quite poignant day because I remember I was at Wimbledon away standing on the terrace in the sunshine and I remember it was the same day as Hillsborough um, when the Liverpool semi-final was on and uh, I, I had a friend who's a Liverpool fan at Hillsborough and I, I just feel guys did, did, did football sort of change that day Eric do you think it changed that day yeah yeah I think for some people it made people realise that football should be about playing the game um, and that there were more important things in life pivotal very pivotal watershed moment to have people People leaving home and going to a football game and not coming back, you know, just it was, it was shocking. I worked with the young lady whose dad refereed the game, Ray Lewis. Uh, she worked as a receptionist, and that was her dad who refereed the game. It was just, just wow. tra- traumatic for everyone. How did wow. you find out about the news, Ian? It was on the radio because I mean, the game, the game, obviously, the Spurs game had started, and then there was a but there, there was it was funny because when you you get the whispers, everyone had transistor radios because there wasn't you know mobile phones then, yeah. and it was just whispers of the Liverpool fans had caused a riot, you know. So you didn't really hear. And then you suddenly get home and it sort of starts to unravel on the news, and mm. yeah, it was just a bit sickening, really. I was at a, a football game in '71 when uh, the uh, Ibrox disaster occurred. I was actually at a Spurs game, so you know we both had that similar experience of you know, sort of yeah, he- hearing these did, sketch, sketchy bits more... of news, news on the, you know. The wireless. Yeah. yeah when, when did Bra- uh, Bradford happen? Was that in the early... 85. Early, 
85. So yeah, maybe it was, you could say that it was a, a changing moment, especially in terms of that kind of tragedy, because I yeah, suppose yeah. you had you had Ibrox, you had Heisel, you had yeah. the Bradford fire, and then you had this, and has there it been has anything since? No, because they changed the stadiums, yeah. you know, they had to do something, then, yeah. which was the wake-up call was Hillsborough, really. I think that later on in that season, fences came down. Yeah. But, but, but as a result, they took fences down, and you got back to White Hart Lane with the with the low brick wall with the little white metal bits going over the top, mm. and that was going back to the days when I first went to see Spurs. Yeah, me too. It really was terrible. We ended up finished sixth. Who were the big goal scorers for us, Sim, in that season? Waddle led the scoring charts of 14. This was obviously his last season at the club before he went to Marseille for a pretty big fee the next year. And he was followed yeah. by Paul Stewart, who recovered from a maybe a slow start at the beginning to get 13 goals. And then the next top scorer after that was Terry Fennick, but six of which were penalties. He got nine overall. Hey, right, see, reliable penalty taker, yeah. Fennick. I don't think he missed any, did exactly. he? I don't think he did miss any, you're right. Did he just and use Wolf to smash Fox him? Cause, did, cause, he used to place them. He used to place them in the Because yeah, yeah, yeah. when I think of like a, a defender, was he, it was a centre-back or a right-back, was he? Right, it's a right-back one. I don't know. Was he, he could yeah. play either back. Centre-back as well. Yeah. He, he reminded me a bit of a guy at Liverpool called Phil Neal. He was just like, really like, you could just rely on him. To yeah. Owen did it as well, didn't Dennis he? Owen, that man, yeah. like, just really could slot those penalties away. But he, he placed them in the corner. Mm. And Walsh, I think Walsh got six. Gazza got six as well, I think. So that's not a bad return of, of goals that season. Um, and we finished sixth, as you say, Sim. How did we do in the FA Cup? Oh, don't mention the Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Were you at the... We lost 1-0 we lost away at Division 2 Bradford. Were you at that game, Ian? I think you said earlier. Yeah, yeah I went up. I went up to that game. Yeah, I went on the special train up there, freezing cold day, obviously 9th of Jan. Yeah, I went up there. It was a, quite a dark day. Actually, Fenix fault was the goal. Actually, he wasn't really alert at the free kick. Yeah, it was a it was a long journey back to London. I have to admit, but mm-hmm. we just wasn't in that zone there. Yeah, I think we started to pick up after the season. But yeah, it was dark. It was dark days. So, agreed. We move on. If we can go on to the uh, League Cup, Linson. Yeah, so we went past third division, Notts County, in the second round. We drew 1-1 away and then we won 2-1 at home in front of just 15,000 at White Hart Lane, actually. And then, um, so the next round after that, we drew 0-0 at a team who at the time were perennial Division 2 playoff bottlers because I saw that Blackburn finished fifth in Division 2, I think three seasons running and didn't go up any of the times. But anyway, we went to a replay with them, having drawn 0-0. And we won the replay 2-1 after extra time. Paul Stewart scored the winner, but then Southampton put us out 2-1 at the Dell in the fourth round, as they seem to do in a lot of cup competitions around this period, actually. They did, Tim. They did, you're right. But So, I mean, overall, I think, you know, the season, a lot of promise in it. Just before we sort of go around the table to sum up, I just want to point out something in Division 2 at the time, at the end of that season... Chelsea and Man City got promoted. It's quite funny, isn't wow. it? Yeah, yeah, the Chelsea were second division. <laughs> yeah, and, and Man City as well. So it's, it's quite it's quite interesting to see where they are 30-odd years later. Sim, if we can go around the table, as we always do, and just sum up the season in a couple of words. Peter, what do you think? Well, it's just a play on the manager's uh, name. I'd say very tenable. <laughs> you, you're a master at this, Peter. Sim, what, what's your thoughts in a couple of words? Gradual improvement. 
I think I think that sums up. And Eric, how would you sort of sum it up briefly? Well, I'd like to add that Torsved had his finest moment when we lost to Southampton, when he took out Shearer, who was clear through, and he got away <laughs> just hard. Taking out Shearer really raised him in my estimation. Yeah, you got a red card, did you say? <laughs> No, we got yellow card. Oh, yellow we got a yellow card. Gave away a free kick, but uh, it was it was good. It was one of those where you take for the team. This season was a rebuilding season. I, I think it's not going to be remembered for any particular reason for Spurs fans. It's not one of the highlights. It's just one of those in between. We were better three years beforehand, two years beforehand. We were rebuilding a team. We had a newish manager. And I think that's it. It was rebuilding time. What made it painful was that Arsenal, at the same time, were flying high. Yeah, yeah that's very sad. I mean, for, for me, I, I, would, I would say it was, it was positive because the way we ended was like championship winning form. So I sort of took, took a lot from the season in the end. But obviously the disappointment um, at the start of the season was... Uh, was pretty uh, pretty poor, wasn't it, guys? But anyway, so we finished sixth, FA Cup third round, and pretty turgid fourth fourth round of the uh, of the League Cup. So, guys, Eric, thanks so much for your uh, contribution. I hope you enjoyed it. Your first podcast with us, guys. It was good to talk, particularly in this long time. Marvelous. Excellent. And Peter and Sim, thanks guys as ever for your contribution, Sim. Brilliant stats again. And we'll hopefully see you all tomorrow when I don't really want to put you off, but it's season 87-88, which I can't glam it up for the listeners. So uh, hopefully you'll listen tomorrow. But thanks again, everyone. <laughs> and keep safe, guys, and speak tomorrow. Take it easy. Yeah, cheers. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys.